Let's get real. Who wants to have another surface level conversation? Not us. I'm Samantha. And I'm Christian. Two friends having raw but truth-filled conversations about the messiness of life. So buckle up and don't be shy. Because, yep, we're We're going going there. there. All right, we are back again. Hello, Samantha. Hello. How are you? I'm good. I'm excited. This is past my bedtime. Yeah, guys, we're recording this. prime time, though. It is my prime time. We are recording this late at night and... We're going to keep Samantha from yawning. But Mm -hmm. anyways, guys, today we have an interview on our podcast. So we have a guest today, Grayson. Welcome. Yeah, we're so excited. I know. I am so excited, too. It's also past my bedtime. I'm an early morning girl, not a late night girl. Like, we're really pushing it, y'all. What time do you get up in the mornings? I I mean, like a 6 a.m. kind of person. Mm -hmm. Not like super early morning, but Mm -hmm. I like to be up and at him and in bed by the 9. And like, (laughs) y'all. There you go, guys. My brain starts to like turn off from like 2 to before I just Same. slowly start shifting off. So. I know. I'm with you on that. You got to pump it up. We're well, here. We're ready. If you guys can't understand Samantha by the end of this podcast, I feel like when she gets around other people with accents, her accent comes oh out. Gosh. So we have <laughs> Grayson over here. And so y'all. Oh my <laughs> gosh. And so I'll just be the normal one here and then we'll try to get through this conversation. Oh, but gosh. today we are talking about sexual intimacy, just sexual past, things like that. And so if you, we just want to kind of put a little disclosure on the conversation that if that's something you are uncomfortable in the situation that you're listening to today, then we just want to let you know that's kind of the conversation we're talking about. We actually met Grayson through a mutual friend of ours and heard about her story, heard about just kind of her past in Grayson is now happily married to Will and they live this awesome life and she'll kind of tell us a little bit about that. But that's not come with a lot of lessons that she's learned, what God has graciously taught her specifically in just sexual sin and past that she has, but then also now what that looks like in marriage. And so we're going to be digging into that today. And we're excited about the conversation because we are super thrilled that we have met someone who is open and willing to share their story, but then excited to learn because even, you know, anyone can learn from these things. And we're excited for what you have to say today. I love conversations like this too, because I feel like it's one of those topics where a lot of people have dealt with this, but it's almost like someone has to be the one to go first. And I think when someone goes first, it opens up the door for other people to feel more vulnerable or comfortable to then share their story or their, I don't know, the way that they relate. So thank you for doing this. I oh my gosh, it. absolutely. And I agree with you a hundred percent, not just that somebody has to go first, but you have to start having the conversation with yourself so that you can have the conversation with other people. And then you would be shocked at the floodgates that open up and how many people People are like, oh my gosh, me too. And then not that I'm like, yay, you too. I love that you have sexual Uh, trauma. It's like, no, I'm not really celebrating that, but it is so great to not feel alone in your boat, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's awesome. So why don't you even start, Grayson? Tell us about yourself. Tell us about a little bit about just like your story, where you are now, where you were, all the things. Yes. Okay. So I'm Grayson Warren. I live in Hot Springs, Arkansas, and I am married to Will Warren. We've been married about six and a half years now. When was your wedding? Date? We got married right out of college. Oh my gosh, don't ask me dates. I'm so bad oh my with gosh, numbers. Your it was October okay. 17. Okay, because okay, 2015. I always get the 15 and the 17 backwards. So my, I'm September 5th. <laughs> I'm September May 15th. I'm like, wait, I do the same thing. I'm May 16th, 2015. I do. I, yeah, I, do. Okay. I know. I get it switched oh, up. Oh, goodness. But so yes. we've all been married about the same time. Yes, yeah. about the same time. And then I work in retail, I work at a boutique, and I also teach fitness classes at a gym in Hot Springs. 
course. Amazing. Um, I didn't know that about you. Yeah, I know. That's, That's kind cool. of like my little elevator pitch. And then, of course, I have like my spiritual side, too, of how I just came to know Christ and follow Christ. I grew up in a Christian household, as all little testimonies begin, but I had zero interest for the things of God when I was in high school. If you do the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram 7, and so my heartbeat behind life is just to have fun in all things. And so church just didn't really seem fun to me. The things of God, spiritual things just didn't seem like fun. What fun looked like in the little small town that I grew up was drinking and partying and hugging up. And so I got involved in that at a really young age, like around 14, and loved every minute of it. And you could find me at church on Sunday mornings, but most of the time I was hungover and didn't want to be there. I went to college at the University of Arkansas, and my like greatest ambition was to bring all of the fun to the university. I wanted to be just the best party girl that the university had ever seen, and I, I think I accomplished that. <laughs> but at the end of my freshman year, I just was like, gosh, I don't really have any friends, and that's because I was in a really impure relationship. So I had been dating a guy since I was a freshman in high school who was significantly older than I was, and we, yeah. Just were in the thick of a lot of sexual sin, which is not what I would have called it at the right. time. Um, would have probably just been like a right. It's just having sex with my boyfriend, yeah. like, yeah. and so that was just kind of my standard of like what relationships looked like. But at the end of freshman year, I was like, I don't really have any friends, and I feel like it's probably because I've invested so much time in this relationship. So I ended that relationship, and that's when just this promiscuous like pursuit just kind of spiraled out of control. And I knew that that wasn't necessarily the morals that I had grown up on. But at the same time, I was just trying to date guys. And a lot of time that drunkenness just led to a lot of one night stands and all that kind of stuff. So I was wrapped up in that at the beginning of my sophomore year. And just found myself like, there has got to be more to life than this. There just really has. Like, I am typically such a fun person. Like, I love to, like, go and do. And I was so hungover all the time. I wasn't even enjoying, like, days. Like, I was, like, my night was, like, live or my life was lived at night. And so I just was like, there has to be more than this. So I saw on Twitter that there was a church in Fayetteville, Arkansas that offered a 5.30 p.m. church service. So I was like, this is great. I can like get my hangover out of the way and then make it to church at night. And so I texted a couple of friends to come with me. And when it came time to go to the service, everybody bailed. And for some reason, I was just like, I know I did this in high school. So let's just give it a shot. Like I'm searching for something. Maybe we'll find it at church. Who knows? I went that night and listened to a sermon. It was on the Holy Spirit. And he talks about when your Holy Spirit light bulb goes off and you just start to understand the things of the Lord. And that was that night for me. It was a really quick transition. It was like, oh my gosh, like I now see that there is a God and that the way that I'm living, this is called sin. Like I didn't know it was sin. I didn't have conviction really for the things I was doing. Went home, called my little brother. He had accepted Christ shortly before I did. I called my mom. I was like, I've been lying behind your back since I was 14 years old. And I called a friend of mine in my sorority. Her name was JC. And I just knew that her life looked different from mine. And I was like, hey, JC, this is going to be like really weird. And I know that you don't know me, but I think that you love Jesus. And I think I just accepted Christ and wanted to share that with somebody. So that was kind of salvation awesome. story. That, that, like that made is me so emotional. Cool. Yeah. I know. That's incredible. I feel like that's also so bold. I mean, if you grew up in a Christian house, 
household. I don't know. Like we're both from Arkansas, just the Bible about it. It's like, yeah, of course you're a Christian, but like so bold of you to just like call your mom and be like, I've been lying to you. And I'm, sh- I'm sure to some extent, maybe she like knew certain things. Y'all, I, don't, I don't know. Really? My sweet mom. Like, I think she would go down defending me till the end. I don't really think she had any idea. I was so good at lying. Like I, w- I had it yeah. nailed down. So was she, she was just like flabbergasted? Yeah, she was kind of shocked, but her response was just like, I'm so excited for you. And I'm really happy that, you know, you've come to this realization and, you know, was just really supportive and didn't, I felt like she tried to act like she wasn't super surprised to like discourage That's anything. That's a good like mom mm-hmm. hint too. That is good. Just mm-hmm. not like having a flip out moment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Absolutely. I love yes. that. Before you move on to your story, I want to backtrack a tiny bit because you've said before, like you didn't understand. Yeah. You're Enneagram seven. You're like, I want to live like a party and this is going to be so fun. So you grew up in a Christian home though, but you didn't have a concept of what I'm doing is wrong. You were like, this is fun. I don't know why people think this is wrong because this is fun. Yes, that's correct. And I think a lot of that too would just be the culture in which I grew up in. I felt like my parents were the strict parents. Like they were kind of the only ones that disagreed with that lifestyle in terms of like drinking is bad and you shouldn't do that. And so I just was like, well, y'all are literally the only two people saying that like everyone around me is living this way. And so I'm going to go and do this. And I always had a little bit of a rebellion too, just against authority. So Mm -hmm. yeah, that makes sense. I just think it's so bold that you just like had that decision. You called your friend and I'm thinking of like the Christian girl in the sorority, your friend JC being probably like freaking out so happy on the inside that like, oh my gosh, I didn't even have to like ask this girl to come to church with me or do anything. (laughs) She's just telling me she wants to learn about Jesus. Yes. Yeah. And that was the start of just a really sweet friendship. It was a discipleship relationship for a little bit, but now she's one of my best friends. She was a maid of honor in my wedding. And so just really awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this starts sophomore year for you, but yes. yeah, take us through then what does yes. college? So and- that was sophomore year. I accepted Christ and just really started to pursue God, got involved in lots of different ministries and went to church and all that good stuff. And then we'll kind of fast forward. We'll get to the will part because that's the fun part, how I met my husband. I had been following Christ for about two years when I met Will and we met their mutual friend, which is Annie. And I know you guys know Annie. And she was, yeah, shout out Annie. She was dating one of Will's best friends at the time and invited those two friend groups to go to Texas A&M football game in Dallas, Texas. So we all went and stayed at her house. At the time, I wasn't interested in anybody because I'd had a two year crush that I was working really hard to impress. But we get there and I meet this guy named Will Warren and he just continues. Which also, what a good name. Yeah, right. When you said that earlier, I was like, Will Warren. Strong master. Sounds like very like um, movie star, country artist. Like he could Will be a Warren. president. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Very, I love it. Very, I love his good. name too. So I'm so yeah. glad you pointed that yeah. out. I've always loved that about Pass him. Pass it on to a baby uh, sometime yes, or yeah. something. And so met Will, and there were just so many little things throughout the weekend. Like he noticed that I was one of the only girls there that didn't have a date. So when we went out to dinner that night, he just picked up my tab. Also, we went to Billy Bob's, and I absolutely loved to dance at the time. I didn't know how to two step, and Will did like summer camp ministry and was incredible at two-step. So he took me out on the floor, taught me how to two-step and 
Wait, okay, I need I need to ask though. So like was Will into you or was he just doing this because he's a gentleman or like did he secretly like, oh, this girl's cute. I want to like like I like her. Okay, yeah, literally at first just because he's a gentleman. Like that is Will's character through sweet, and through. Sweet. You will yeah. see that in every area of his life. He is just kind and his nickname growing up, he might hate that I say this, but everyone in his hometown calls him Sweet Will. Just Sweet oh. Will. <laughs> um, oh, I hope I yes, meet him at some such, point. I'm like, Sweet, sweet Will. Arkansas thing. Too. I know y'all, but he's so so that was just his character and then I think after the Billy Bob's dance like we're like spinning around on the floor and I think mutually in that moment we're like wait we might be kind of interested in what this has to offer I remember driving home in the car ride and just being like trying to process like wait I thought I liked this other guy but all of a sudden there's this Will Warren and I'm not really like tracking with that and telling the girls in the car ride on the way home, like, yo, I think I might like Will. And of course, everyone's like all for it. They've all known Will. I had like just been meeting him. So yeah, that was like kind of where we met. That's so sweet. I know. And that's he, awesome. had he just been this like good, sweet, stable boy through his college experience yes yeah so will grew up a christian he has always known the lord and he is the most disciplined like black and white has always just seen sin and What's had conviction he's a one oh Yes, I know. It makes sense. It makes sense. And so he's just always loved the Lord. And so we had very, very different stories. And that's kind of one of our favorite parts about our testimony, which I'm excited to get into with you guys. But Will, so I got asked one night to share my testimony on stage at Cross Church, which was the church we both attended. We knew of each other at this point, but we had not like met yet. This was before the Dallas weekend. And so I was sharing my testimony on stage. After that, Will got into the car with some of his best guy friends and was like, do you guys think that you could date a girl like that? Like a girl with a past like that? And so they all kind of like discuss that in the car. But Will says that was the first time that God like ever put it on his heart that his wife might have a testimony like that. He just assumed that because he accepted Christ at a young age and he had decided to save himself for marriage that his wife would also have that story. And so it was really the first time God kind of pricked him like, hey, you might like be interested in a girl with a story like that or you know what like what about her like the one that was on stage are you interested in her so we kind of joke about that now it's like literally amazing i i'm getting emotional i know (laughs) i'm getting emotional too because i feel like i relate to your husband like never met him even taking everything out about your story just like that feeling of when you think you're doing something so right and that like yeah god does award obedience and i think he sees that but i think i struggled so much in my past of thinking like oh if i just do things this right way x y and like I already know what the path is going to look like for me. So you sharing your husband sitting in the car in that moment just takes me back to a place like earlier, like back in my faith where I could just like look out and so see clearly like a lot of other people's sins or just like downfalls and just kind of having God shake me and be like, no, like you have things you struggle with too that maybe aren't so outward and then just like breaking that down. So I think that's cool that God was kind of doing that to him in a way too. Like even though he was really being obedient in the ways that you had been maybe sinful or we're just like living outside of what God wanted for you. It was almost God, like God was showing him like, no, she's not any more like broken than you are. I don't know if that is yes. how he would describe it or say, it, but I just kind of related to that. No, that I, I see a lot of Will's heart in yeah. that, in the way yeah. you're saying Well, that. what a beautiful picture of just like God's sovereignty. And even that moment, I mean, you're the girl literally sitting on the stage and he's like, would you guys ever like date a girl like that? Or like, do you ever think you could be with someone like that? And even just like, I mean, 
that is the definition of like Christ going before you. Like he says like, no, I have gone before you to pave that way. And he literally is doing that right there for Will's heart, for you as well. Even just being able to share in a way that, that probably like then led into an easier conversation, even when you guys got to the stage of like dating. And now you're like, well, you kind of already know my past a little bit because I actually have said it on stage forever ago, (laughs) but here it is again. And like, yeah. So what was that like? You guys obviously start dating And so what does it look like when you actually have to like come out and say all these things? Yeah. So it's kind of like a a three part story, honestly, that being the first part of him knowing that, which also like full disclosure, a lot of my sexual sin played out within the fraternity that he was a part of. So he knew a lot about this Grayson before she accepted Christ, probably knew the names of a lot of the guys that it happened with. And so that was like the first context. And he like, hears this life change like on stage. So Will had a lot of processing to do after we met that first weekend of just like, is this something I want to pursue? Like, is this something that I think would be good for me? And so he had a lot of initial processing before we actually started dating. And then when we had that conversation, I will never forget it. So it kind of came a little bit early in our relationship, like than it would have had he not already had that knowledge. It might have been something that we talked about later on. But our relationship also happened really fast. Like we started dating in October. We were engaged in June and married by the following October. So everything in our relationship was pretty expedited. But yeah, so I'll never forget the day that it just our conversation naturally kind of led there. And I had to tell him I had to look him in his eyes. And I get emotional every time I say this, but I just was like, Will, there's absolutely like nothing that I haven't already done with somebody else. Physically, I have nothing to offer you that I haven't already given away. And that breaks my heart. And I just remember Will looking me in my eyes and just saying, I love you. And if Christ can forgive you, I forgive you. And if he has grace for you, like I have grace for you. And that was the most tangible form of forgiveness I have ever experienced second to salvation. Like it was just such a beautiful picture of the way Jesus looks at us. And he says, I have grace for you. I have forgiveness for you. And I say this all the time, but you see that picture in John 8 when Jesus has an encounter with the adulterous woman and she is just sitting there feeling so much shame. She's so embarrassed. And there are accusers pointing fingers at her and calling her names and wanting to stone her. And Jesus meets her exactly where she is in her shame, in her hurt. And he looks at her and he says, I forgive you, go and sin no more. And it's just a beautiful picture. And I love that part of our story. And that has been just the mark of our relationship. I also say all the time, Will and I give and receive forgiveness from each other every single day because without it, we wouldn't be a couple. Like without it in terms of Jesus offering it to both of us in our lives first and foremost, but then just in our own relationship, had we not been willing to have that forgiveness, then we wouldn't be the Warrens. Mm-hmm. That's, that's so awesome. cool. And it, what a cool way, yeah, to start off your marriage. Cause I think that's a struggle for humans, like Christians or not, just to like in those daily tiny little annoyances or like being snippy or it could be something super small even to just like be quick to forgive. And so the fact that your relationship started off that way, I mean, I got emotional you saying that too, because I don't know. I just feel like there's so many girls. I feel like I relate to parts of your story and I just know other girls are sitting there thinking like, wow, like I've never felt like I could hear that or receive that and like take a kind of breath and like lift that weight if they feel shame or burden from their past. So I think that's really cool. 
Yeah. You got to yeah, I want to like dig into that. You mentioned the shame. You mentioned, obviously, I don't know this part of your story, but do you feel shame now? Did you feel shame then? Obviously, you and Will having different pasts, like you even mentioned Will understanding like, oh, that's the Grayson that I heard about years ago. And I'm sure he had people in his fraternity come up to him like, wait, you're marrying Grayson, like the Grayson that like went around, like wait, you're doing that. So like, what was that like? Like, take us through what does shame look like for you then now? How do you process that? Like, what does that look like for you and Will? Yeah. So there's a lot of different battles that I've taken on with shame. And I remember thinking like after I'd accepted Christ, I knew that I had a past. I was like, gosh, I just really hope that my husband has a past too. And that way our past will just cancel each other out and we'll just be on a level playing field. And that was probably because I was wrestling with a lot of my worth. Like, am I worthy of someone who has saved their souls for marriage? And it came down to understanding that I am worthy because Jesus says that I'm worthy because God deems me worthy and he sent his son to die on the cross on my behalf. And that alone is what makes me worthy. And so I think that if you are someone who hasn't saved yourself for marriage, but your partner has, you are worthy of someone who has saved that for you. That is such a gift. But also hear me say this, the reverse is true too, that if you're someone who has saved yourself for marriage, you are worthy of someone who is sold out to Jesus and fiercely loves him and wants to see restoration happen in this part of their life and their marriage and for you and for themselves. And so I just think if they fiercely love you and fiercely love God, you're worthy of that too. And so it's kind of this like false idea or concept that we have that because you've saved yourself for marriage, you're somehow better than somebody who hasn't. And that's just a totally wrong mindset to enter in to marriage on. God, when he sees our sin, he doesn't see anyone outweighing the other. You know, they're all equal in his eyesight. And the day that I accepted Christ, I became a new creation. And in his eyes, like Christ's righteousness is imputed to me. And so it's just like, I have learned to understand that there are moments where I have faced so much shame and dealt with that. But I like to say this too, is shame is not necessarily a bad thing. Shame can be a good thing because if we lived lives without shame, then we wouldn't necessarily know like right from wrong. We wouldn't experience conviction. Shame is a vehicle to worship. So when I feel shame, when I have sinned and acted out against God and I'm like, gosh, that didn't sit well or that wasn't right. And I experienced experience that shame, it's like, oh my gosh, and God can forgive even that. Like it should lead me to a place of worship where I understand how deep his grace is that it could forgive even that. It's not like I'm going to sit in this self-pity, like I'm so terrible. I'm such a horrible person. Like that's where shame has a tendency to get us tripped up. But instead of letting your mind spiral there, like just proclaim God's truth over your life. Like, no, I'm not going to think that thought. God's forgiven that. And so the battle with shame Man, I went to throws with that, but I feel like I stand in a place now where I know who I am. I know where my worth comes from. It doesn't even come from a marriage. It doesn't even come from Will's acceptance of me. It comes only from Jesus's acceptance of me. And you have to understand that when you're like fighting with shame. That's good. I like that. Yeah. And I like how like, yeah, we with shame, it's like, well, yeah, it can be really bad when we get stuck in that or when we let that like control us. But like when you think of shame as 
almost more like your avenue to to conviction of like, no, like conviction is a good thing. Like we are given like commandments and rules and, you know, boundaries because God loves us and like wants the best for us. And so when we go outside of that, like we do feel convicted and that's where sometimes shame can come in. But it's like when I'm just thinking of a girl who like lives her life and like makes every decision out of shame. Like that's where to me it sounds dangerous. And so it's cool that you've identified like, yeah, I couldn't like stay stuck in that. But I could view that as like an avenue of, like you said, like a vehicle for worship of like, no, God, thank you for like letting me see that that was so wrong. And I don't want to live like that anymore. Mm -hmm. So that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love that. I mean, I've never, I don't think thought of shame that way. It's like a vehicle into worship. But I think that's so true. Like we wouldn't feel conviction if we didn't feel sorrowful and shameful about how we have like turned against God and what he calls good in our life. And so I think that's beautiful. That's like awesome. I love that. So fast forward us into obviously you've had this past, you and Will have now been married for six and a half years. What does your story look like now? So you obviously get the opportunity to share. This isn't the first time you've shared your story. You obviously have shared it on stage. You've shared it a lot of other places. So you've seen blessings come from this. Like what, what has that looked like? Like what good have you seen come from it? Yes. Yeah. So I do feel like I want to preface like the blessing first and foremost is Christ. Like the blessing is Ephesians one, where God talks about, we have been gifted with every single spiritual blessing in heaven, in Christ Jesus. That's adoption. That's predestination. That's sonship. That is redemption. That is, I mean, everything that Ephesians one says, like that is the blessing it's in Christ. And without that, there is absolutely no good thing that comes from my past. It's just a really, really sad story without Jesus entering into the picture. And so I think that's like my primary focus is like, gosh, he is the blessing from this. And I think that also speaks to like what we've experienced in our marriage is just like knowing and understanding the heart of Christ too, just within our marriage. It is an example of sacrificial love. Like, and we have learned that Will and I went through a lot of really hard things, but like I told you, I'm an Enneagram seven, so I'm a glass half full kind of girl. And so when I reflect on it, I know that that season was a lot tougher than I might like explain it because in my mind it was so good and it was so rich and we walked through such a long process of healing we went through some pretty intensive counseling like I'll tell you all this so Will saved himself for marriage, which was incredible, right? But then we go to this counseling session because I was really struggling with sex. Like, so like I, after you got married, it wasn't just this like flip that was switched where it was like, oh, now it's all good. And I, I'm supposed to be doing this and delighting in this. Like you were still yes, struggling with yes, that. Yes, I should probably backtrack just a no, little bit. No, that's fine. No, yeah. you're, I totally was struggling with that. And we noticed pretty quickly within our marriage, our honeymoon was a disaster and a half. I wish I had time oh, to tell you all that shoot. story, y'all. We came home a day early. Like it was, just Will got so sick like it was awful so like that wasn't the honeymoon experience we thought that we would have we thought like oh I have experience and he saved himself so God's gonna just like extra bless this marriage like we just thought we had the perfect combination for an incredible sex life and that was a lie that we believed and so we get home from our honeymoon and I didn't really realize or know like I didn't have words to put to what I was feeling but I knew that I wasn't enjoying sex like I knew that I wasn't having fun or like I wasn't delighting in this thing. And Will just decided to have a really hard conversation with me. He came and sat me down and was like, Hey, Grayson, I just want to talk to you about this. Like, I feel like physically you're present, but I just don't feel like mentally or emotionally, like you're connecting with me in this time. 
And that was the very like first time that it dawned on me like, oh my gosh, I'm not. Like I am dissociating from this physical act because mentally like I don't want to be here. Mentally, this is not fun for me. Like there was a lot of trauma in that area of my life that I didn't really realize or grieve, which is what led to me being like, oh, I should probably go to counseling. And I said that for a year and a half. I should probably go to counseling. I should probably go to counseling. But as we always do, we try to fix problems ourselves. And so for a year and a half, I tried to develop desire and I tried to buy the cute lingerie and do all the things that I thought would be the answer to a better sex life and failed miserably. And so, yeah, it took us on this journey of counseling and (laughs) we have to go to like a specialized sex therapist. And that was a whole crazy story how that came about too. But we're sitting with this sex therapist and she's like, all right, so I have this program I think would be great for you guys. It's called Restoring the Pleasure. And she was like, but it is a 15 week fast from sex. And so I'm just like, Okay, first and foremost, that is one thing you don't want to tell your husband who has saved himself for marriage has been so faithful in all the ways. And you're just like, hey, I know you've like waited for a really long time for this, but can you wait 15 more weeks while I like sort through my past and like try to figure this out? Thankfully, Will was so gracious. And so I think that's what I'm trying to get to was like the blessing of this was it taught us so much about sacrificing for the other and putting the other's needs above each other. And so Will knew that in order for me to experience pleasure, Like he desired deeply for me to experience pleasure, not just as selfish, like for his sake that we would have better sex. Like he wanted to see healing in my life. We both wanted to see sex restored and redeemed to the way that we knew God designed it. And I deeply desired to love Will in the way that I knew God intended for me to in sex. And so, like I was saying, like I fiercely wanted to fight for this for us. And that's where I'm like, you deserve someone who has a past because they're going to be passionate about this for your sake. And so there were so many blessings that came just in this understanding of mutual submission to one another, putting the other person first and loving them and Also, like counseling, you learned so much from that is such a blessing. Like it was such a hard thing in the moment. But looking back, we have so many tools in our marriage that have helped us better communicate, have helped us learn how to delight in each other. Like I'm not saying this is some perfect story where God like just came in and made my life so much better. But I can tell you, I delight in my husband. I delight in that time now because I put in a lot of really hard work and had faith to believe that God would heal that part of my testimony that he would restore it and redeem it because that's the God that he is. That's what he does. There's so much. Awesome. That's so cool. I'm like, okay, there's so much that I want to speak to on like what God did and all of that. But I'm also like practically in those 15 weeks, I'm sure you can think of so many moments where like the two of you, that was just so hard. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it was, yes, it was so hard. It was so You're also weird. Like newly married. You're I know, like, what like, 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 the details? I'm like, this? how did you guys say? Yeah, yeah. No, because like technically you're not like, I don't know. I think there is that sense of like before you were married and you're dating and engaged time, it was kind of like, okay, no, but like we're not married yet. We are fighting to save that now. But like when you were married and then just having to say no, I would have literally had to be like, okay, we're going to have to like live in separate houses for Y'all, 15 weeks. It was so funny too. Cause 
because we didn't really understand the full context of the program. So the design is to retrain your brain to experience physical intimacy with your spouse within a safe context. And so it is taking away the pressure of like demand so that you can develop desire, if that makes sense. So we started out with just like we had assignments every week. Well, it like, started couldn't out. Couldn't you achieve that in like four weeks? Yeah, right. <laughs> Two not weeks. 15? Yeah. Not 15. <laughs> Come on, people. I know. But we started with like holding hands and then like graduated with finally being able to have sex again. But the first night we went home, we were like, wait, are we allowed to like be naked in front of each other? Like, yeah. what do we do? So like, the whole the first week, we like were not being naked in front of each other because we didn't know. We told our counselor, she was like, y'all can totally be naked in front of each other. We were just like, okay, sorry, we didn't know, but like, we're glad that we can. Like, I'm it was just hilarious. When you said like, not knowing it was, I figured it was like in a Christian context, but when you're like, our counselor wanted us to like do this program, I'm thinking like, what was this program? Like, what did they have you do? But no, that's really cool. Yes. Oh, and she's amazing. We're obsessed with her and we still meet with her and she is amazing. So I feel like if you have sexual trauma or just anything in your past, I highly recommend seeking out a Christian counselor. And also something I didn't know about counseling. I was super intimidated by the process, but like if you go to a counselor and you don't like jive with them, you're not stuck to that counselor. So Catherine wasn't the first person that we saw. She was the second person person that we saw and it was just like I didn't really know I got to like pick and choose my counselor but just in case anyone is like new to the process if you're like this isn't working you don't have to stick with that one person just so you know yeah I love that you said that and I also love like what you said about just yeah there are obviously really awesome now good parts of your story because of what only God has done that without God and without you accepting him into your life and understanding the sovereignty control desire direction he has for your life. Like none of this is good. And so I think that's really awesome that you and Will have chose and like, yeah, he is like also, yeah, predestined you as children of his to say, no, like I'm going to redeem this because like, I love you too. And I think that's a beautiful part of it because I think sometimes we can like, I don't know, make something shiny without trying to make it just like shiny without Christ. I'm like, no, it's only actually him who's making that a really awesome thing or a good thing. thing Yes. That reminded me of like, Also in this, like, Will deserves all of my praise because he has faithfully carried out like loving his wife the way that Christ loves the church. So like, yes, hear that. But also like, Will is not the hero in this story. For anyone listening, like Christ is the hero. Like he is the one who gave me salvation that gave me a shot at getting a guy like Will. Like he is the one who gave Will grace and eyes to see that someone with a story like mine is worthy of pursuit. And so I feel like we have a tendency sometimes to glorify the couple or to glorify Will, the spouse that runs in on the white horse, but it's not, it's Jesus. Like he is the hero in this story and it's his heart and his love and his pursuit. That is the root of all of it. And I just don't want us to forget that. No, No, I love that. That's good because I could see girls listening thinking like, okay, well, it sounds like you met this like one in a million man who like helped you figure this all out. But no, I love you saying that because that is a good reminder. But I just like there's so much in that. Yeah. So to like wrap us up a little bit, what would you say 
if I'm a listener thinking, gosh, like I'm stuck in the same sin pattern or like that is my past. And if I'm married, not married, looking for someone, don't even know what I'm doing with my life. Like, what do you say to that person? This could have been like what you wish you would have known. This could just be encouragement now. Like give us or that person some hope to like what could be part of their story. Yeah. So I want to address this first. If you are a believer, if you're like, I have accepted Jesus Christ as my savior, the advice I would give to you is that you have to choose to believe that the word of God is true. Like it is true and you have to have the faith to act upon that truth. It reminds me of like James one, where he talks about like our faith takes action. You can't just say that you believe this and not act upon that faith. It'd be like, let's like relevant the Olympics. It'd be like me saying, I believe that I could be a gymnastic gold medalist. Like, sure, the belief is there, but I wouldn't spend my life pursuing that if I actually didn't believe it. And so the difference there is the action that's taken. And so if you're saying I'm a believer and I've accepted Christ, but I'm stuck in the sin pattern, well, God's word tells us that we have the Holy Spirit within us. He is our strength to help us resist temptation. He gives us the power to walk away from the situations that we're in. He promises to be our refuge. He promises to be our comforter. He tells us all of these things. And so we have to believe that that's true and then act in a way that helps us get out of those situations to flee from sexual immorality like i saw something today where flee can also be translated as escape like you you have to take the steps in your own life to get out of that lifestyle and so i know for me that was a lot of different things my friend group completely changed and that was such a hard transition but i had to stop hanging out with friends who continued to live that lifestyle this is a funny one i had to quit listening to rap music for a time because rap music made me want to pregame which made me want to get drunk which led to a lot of my sexual immorality and so it's just like i chose to believe that the life that god had for me was fun going back to that first thing like it was fun and it was better and he promised that it was abundant and so i started making decisions in my life that acted upon the faith that I had that I said that I believed so that's like my advice to the believer and if you're someone who's like seeking and searching and you feel stuck in trapped in this lifestyle like I literally just want to look at you with all the empathy in the world and just like let you know that there is a better option there is a love that's more fulfilling that lasts for a lifetime for all of eternity and it's found only in Jesus Christ and it reminds me of the scripture in Hosea where you're just going to seek and seek and search and you're going to be stuck in by these thorn bushes and they're just going to keep hurting you until you surrender to Jesus Christ. And so I have just kind of like two different pieces of advice, but, and just call me and we'll talk through it. And I'll tell you about the Jesus that I know who has completely changed my life. And those would be just pieces of advice. I think that's awesome. That's amazing. I also think for a married woman who may be like, I don't know, I maybe, I don't know if any of us, the three of us could speak to this, but just like the woman that you just hear like doesn't enjoy that or maybe talks really negatively about sex in her marriage. And like, yeah, we know the truth that it is something that we should enjoy and it should be something that like brings us closer to our spouse. But I feel like I just hear so many of my believing friends like not really believing that or like, yeah, I know that truth. But I like you were saying with the faith and actually like not wanting to act on that. I do think that there is like 
there's openness to be talking about that with other believing women. There are counselors, like you said. It doesn't have to be this like shameful thing that we can't bring up in small groups or in other groups of Christian friends because it can be enjoyable. It's supposed to be enjoyable. It's supposed to be a gift. It's not supposed to be easy or perfect or seamless by any means. But if you are struggling to a point where it's never something that you ever enjoy or look forward to, I think that it's time to be open with someone about that. I don't know if you guys oh would agree gosh. or disagree with that. Yeah. but. Yeah. There could be something from your past or even just mentally that is holding you back from the sex life that God wants you to have. Yes. No, I completely agree with that 100%. And that's something that I ran into, which is a whole nother heart that I have is for the married woman who isn't enjoying sex because I, again, chose to believe that this was something that God created and designed for my pleasure and my enjoyment, not just my husband's. It, It wasn't something that he just created for the men. And I had a season of bitterness where I was really angry because I felt like he he did. I felt like he did just create this for guys and for their pleasure and had such a distorted view of how it was for me too. And so we fleshed a lot of that out in counseling. Some of the exercises we had to do, y'all, they're super comical, but they really did dig up that deeper truth of like, why am I not experiencing desire? Why am I not experiencing pleasure mentally? What's going on physically? What's going on? How am I not communicating well with my spouse in this area? of our relationship where I can be open and honest and talk to him about all of these things. But when it comes to this area, like why am I so silent or whatever? And so I would, yes, urge asking yourself all the why questions. Why do I feel this way? Why do I not enjoy this? Why do I continue to push it off? Why would I rather just go to bed like and digging to the root of that? Because I agree. I think it's it's made for us girls too. Yes. (laughs) This is amazing. I hope that everyone is like taking a little bit away from this and even just wrapping it up to the beginning of our conversation when even talking about we hope that this encourages people who if this is your story or similar to your story or maybe not at all but pieces of this have stuck with you we hope that this is kind of a catapult into maybe shedding some light on something that you keep in a really dark place that Grayson can be the first for you to say oh like she talked about it so I can talk to someone about it and we just hope that that's been encouraging we love that you shared your story with us and that was amazing and really honored I want to echo that too. Yes. Speak up. Talk to it about somebody. Like I didn't start seeing fruit in my life until I started opening up to my small group and close friends around me. And so I ditto that for sure. That's good. Yeah. If you guys want to reach out to Grayson, I'm just um, volunteering you for this, (laughs) but we will put her information, not like your phone number or anything, but her social media where you can find her, everything that she's doing. I thought you were going to say your social security number. I was like, no. You really just want to hack her life. Um, No, but if you want to get in contact with Grayson or you can always reach out to us on our Instagram or our personal Instagrams and we can put you in touch. So thank you again. Thank y'all so much. It's been so fun. Hey, thanks for going there with us. If you loved what you heard, don't forget to follow along with us at Going There, the podcast. And it also means so much to us if you subscribe to our podcast and shared it with a friend. Talk to you soon. Thank you.